What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins, ready for a Thanksgiving edition of the show in which I'm going to be working through 10 things that I am thankful for in regards to the 2021 Miami Dolphins. Hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving meals, got all the food you could possibly need, and now sit back, kick up those feet, relax, and let's talk a little Dolphins football. Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, the director of scouting at the draftnetwork.com, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. And on today's episode, let's talk a little thankfulness, a little optimism little positivity here on Locked on Dolphins. Ten things in regards to the 2021 Miami Dolphins that I am thankful for. And the first thing I'm going to start with is the uh, habitual roster churning that we have seen from this team over the course of the last couple of weeks. And, And what I mean by that, is I'm looking at the additions of Andrew Billings on the defensive line and the news that broke yesterday uh, that running back Philip Lindsay was picked up off waivers from the Houston Texans. And these are the two newest members of the Miami Dolphins. And I will say this, Raquan Davis is your unquestioned starting nose tackle and Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Emmanuel Agba, and in pass rush situations, Adam Butler are all better all around players than Andrew Billings. That Andrew Billings is a low risk opportunity for you to potentially find Raekwon Davis's backup in a long-term scope. Philip Lindsay is the most accomplished running back on the Dolphins roster. Period. I'm not saying he's going to come in and he's going to be the starter right away. I'm not saying he's going to come in and he's going to alleviate the Dolphins need to add a running back in the off season. But the fact that there is an awareness and an understanding and there's opportunities that have been made over the last couple of weeks to get players that make sense for Miami and they are at positions of need, both short-term and long-term, and both these guys are younger players. I'm thankful to have seen these things materialize because it's added more storylines to monitor and watch and figure out, are these guys long-term building blocks or not? I really like both of these additions this offseason. The second thing that I am most thankful for with the 2020 Miami Dolphins at this point in time, Michael Dieter returning to practice this week. And it's not, it's not just the fact that we're getting an opportunity to put Michael Dieter back in the lineup and that might help you beat the Carolina Panthers. No, no, no. This is, remember... Once this team got off to such a slow start and things were off the rails, this became a evaluation window and an evaluation season. And Michael Dieter is very much in need of evaluation uh, to get a feel for what his big picture scope is as far as potentially being the answer at the center position long-term. Because if, 
he is the answer. And you do feel good about Robert Hunt, which we do. And if we want to entertain one of Liam Eichenberg or Austin Jackson being an answer on the left side of the offensive line, you may be looking at a right tackle and a left side of the offensive line guy. And as long as those are really well-accomplished NFL talents, in my opinion, the dynamics of this offensive line changes pretty dramatically. But if Michael Dieter is not the answer, then the majority of the offensive line will need to change. And you're going to be adding uh, a new keystone in the middle, too. This is an evaluation opportunity to see Michael Dieter for another month of play after a pretty good first month of play to, to start the season and see what his return changes relative to whether it was uh, Austin Ryder uh, the last couple of weeks or Greg Manson. The number three thing that I'm thankful for, Javon Holland, point blank, period. And I guess you could extend this to be the entirety of the 2021 uh, draft class, particularly the first and second round guys. Um, this was a group that was filled with a lot of guys that I would have pounded the table for, for Miami and to see them be players that Miami gave a shot and be high impact players. And by even more extension, have somebody who hit the ground running and has kind of been in a starring role for this team is, is really fun as a draft guy to see the guys that you would pound the table for, um, get the call and answer the call the way in which Javon Holland and, and Jalen Phillips and Jayla Waddle have for sure. The fourth thing of this team that I am thankful for this season is the three game win streak. Naturally, we all remember how hard seven straight losses was, how painstaking it was, how we thought we'd never win again. It, it felt like this team was just destined to lose every bounce of the ball and they were never going to piece it together. And well, sure enough, the, the schedule did soften up a little bit and we do have a chance uh, to string together a couple of wins, which we've done. And now we've got a game against Carolina, which is going to be a, a big test on both sides of the football. Uh, Carolina, their defense is really young and really good. And they've spent a lot of assets. They brought in Stephon Gilmore. Uh, they brought in uh, C.J. Henderson, who was a top 10 pick just last year. And, you know, you take that on top of J.C. Horn from South Carolina, who they used a first-round pick on this year, and he's hurt. Um, but then you got guys like Jeremy Chin. And if you remember, that was the first offseason I did Locked on Dolphins, and I was all about Jeremy Chin. Uh, and he is, sure enough, a freaking monster. Uh, they brought in Hassan Reddick this offseason in free agency to complement Brian Burns as their two pass rushers. And then Shaq Thompson as a kind of change of pace guy. Defensively, they're very, very good. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they've got a great collection of skill players. McCaffrey, DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson, Cam Newton now at the quarterback position gives them a quarterback run dynamic. 
I do think the Dolphins have a reasonable chance to stack them up on the offensive line and find success against the Panthers offensive line, uh, which means this week's game is going to really come down to turnovers, field position, ball security. A lot of the things that went right for Miami against Baltimore. This is obviously not the same caliber of a team as Baltimore from top to bottom, but a lot of the same storylines will be at play. The number five thing that I'm thankful for, for the 2021 Miami Dolphins is this opportunity that I have uh, to serve as a voice for this fan base and this community and talk to so many of you. And well, that's something I try not to take for granted. And it's always a nice reminder when I go to a game, whether it's in Miami or out and about elsewhere across the country and have so many of you guys that, that reach out and want to connect and, it's just that healthy reminder that I need sometimes to be really appreciative that there are a lot of Dolphins fans uh, that are really passionate about this team and love this team just as much as I do. And um, here's to the coming successes uh, that we will have well earned the right to relish in uh, when the team's success stabilizes to a degree in which uh, meets the standards this organization set when Don Shula took over and was the greatest coach of all time for 26 years across several hall of fame quarterbacks. Can't wait for those days. That's five things that I am thankful for. Um, and a lot of positivity thus far, but not all positivity. One thing that I am thankful for is the contract flexibility that the dolphins have with several key players uh, to potentially free up some money <laughs> this off season and, and trim some fat off this roster for players who simply aren't playing to the expectation of their pay. Will Fuller, obviously a contract year, a one-year contract for him. Needless to say, I don't believe he'll be invited back. Devontae Parker, I struggle with still, but there is the flexibility this coming off season to part ways with Devontae if need be and find a fresh start for him. And then Jesse Davis. Uh, Miami obviously had to get creative with Jakeem Grant's contract and eat some money there to get him off the books and get anything for him. Jesse's not necessarily a player that I would expect Miami would get anything for. But you've either got to restructure or it's time to go, as far as I'm concerned. And when you look at the rest of the versatility, Austin Jackson has now played at tackling guard. Robert Hunt has played at tackling guard. Michael Dieter has played at guard and center. You, your ideologies on the offensive line have cross-trained enough guys to be able to play multiple spots that a player like Jesse Davis, who plays four spots, none of them at an especially high level, but his value is mitigated in my opinion, and you can't, you can't be paying him what you're paying him to just be an add-on. And I don't think anybody can watch Jesse Day Davis play and aspire for him to be a starting running back again on the roster. I just don't think you can make that, that judgment. The next thing that I'm thankful for, this is number six. The storyline of having a young quarterback to evaluate has made this season 
more engaging for me. And maybe this is my draft, Nick, showing a little bit, uh, but you're always watching and evaluating and, and charting improvements and seeing where there's, uh, there's still blind spots for a player. And uh, two is not a perfect quarterback, but he's a young quarterback. And uh, you do see bright flashes. You do see some frustrating low points and some frustrating blind spots. The one I forgot to mention on Monday when we did the game summary was the, uh, the false start, the free play uh, that he threw out. It just kind of threw, he had a free play and it was a throwaway for him. And he got interior pressure pretty early, but you've got literally nothing to lose. So little things like that, like it's just an added layer to this team uh, that I'm really enjoying having the opportunity to, to digest. I'm sure there are a lot of players or a lot of fans who would rather just skip this part of the process and be like, is he good or is he not? Cause we got to move on. But for me personally, I'm enjoying uh, digesting that. Number seven, number seven thing that I am thankful for, for the 2021 Miami Dolphins is the trade back with San Francisco and the subsequent trade up with Philadelphia. This is, going to be hammered and driven into the ground by every pundit ever. Oh, the Dolphins gave up an extra one for Jalen Waddell. They could have just stayed put and had Devontae Smith and blah, 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 blah. But the Dolphins wanted Jalen Waddell. Period. And told he was the highest ranked player not named Trevor Lawrence in their evaluation of the 2022 class. Right? So the Dolphins wanted this player. They picked a three. They moved back from three to six, picked up an extra first round pick in the process, saved themselves several million dollars on the contract and got the same player that they evaluated that they wanted to take at three. Somebody find me the downside because you don't make the move from three to 12 unless you have the move from 12 to six back in hand. So it's one maneuver, just two transactions. And that level of creativity, obviously, there's going to be the debate on why you gave up the pick that you gave in the trade-up. And that is the downside, in my opinion, to this deal. Is if San Francisco does finish with a better record than you, you're going to have a little leg on your face. I get the thought process to bet on yourself and say, well, you know, we, we feel like we're ready to compete. And it's not like they were wrong, wrong about San Francisco. They were just wrong about themselves. San Francisco is 500 club right now. If Miami had taken care of business the way that we thought that they would, we'd be through 11 games and Miami would probably be seven and four instead of four and seven. If they would have won the Raiders game, let's, let's just say the three games that they lost on the last kick, because we expected coming into the year, this was going to be the level one football team. You'd be seven and four versus four and seven. And San Francisco's at five and five. Would anybody blink an eye? No. So I appreciate the thought process. The team was just wrong about themselves and they weren't wrong about San Francisco. Oh, well, let's see how it finishes. It's this storyline is not over. Miami is relatively hot on their heels. 
as of this point in time. And I am thankful for our friends at tankathon.com. Let's go ahead and add that to the list. Miami's pick is at 14, courtesy of San Francisco. Miami's pick that belongs to Philadelphia is at number eight. Miami is at a disadvantage against several other teams because they have not taken their bye yet, whereas Atlanta and Washington have. San Francisco has also not taken their bye or has taken their bye. So from a bye week perspective, Miami is at a gross disadvantage. If Miami had taken their bye instead of taking a loss, this pick would be in front of the or be behind the Atlanta pick. Atlanta would jump them as things currently stand. Washington currently has a better strength of schedule, uh, which is the team picking 10. So if Miami took the bye or if Atlanta and Washington had not taken the bye and lost their games, Miami would be nine instead of 10. If San Francisco plays and loses, they fall behind Denver immediately. And from a strength of schedule perspective, they are within 0.003 of falling behind Carolina as well. So depending on how things maneuver with the bye weeks, nothing else can change other than just other teams taking buys and L's. And if San Francisco loses a game, Miami could be at nine and San Francisco could be at 12. We could be separated by three points, three picks. Storyline to watch. There's a lot of them, just not the ones we were hoping for. I am selfishly going to say I'm very thankful for uh, the, I don't want to say implosion, um, but the very irregular results we have seen from our friends up north close to the border of Canada in recent weeks. Uh, lost at Tennessee. They obviously beat Miami. They lost at Jacksonville. They beat the Jets, and they were creamed by the Colts. Can we appreciate on that team's remaining schedule? They have the Patriots twice at Tampa Bay, at New Orleans this week, which happens tonight. Go Saints. Team already has four, as many losses as they had all year last year. You're going to play at Tampa Bay, at New England, at New Orleans on a short week, and you get New England again. And then you're, you finish the, the, game, the season with uh, Falcons and Jets at home, which will be dubs. Uh, and Carolina is the other game that hasn't been mentioned yet. Misery loves company. I don't know about you, but the setbacks this season have left me a little miserable as it pertains to our friends in the AFC East. So please bring the L's. Go ahead and lose four more. Go ahead and lose more, four more. Finish nine and eight. Because I know there was a lot of Kool-Aid that was drank by our friends up north. Uh, how great they are and to bee's knees these days. Hate to see it. Really, really hate to see it. <laughs> my last two things that I'm thankful for on this podcast. I'm thankful for Mike Gusecki. Uh, this is my latest. Since he's going to advocate for Durham Smythe to get a contract extension, I'll go ahead and advocate for Mike to get a contract extension. And I know a lot of Dolphins fans uh, would join me in advocating for that. Um, 
the storyline of Mike, his rookie season in New, in Miami with Adam Gase, in which he was grossly mismanaged and misused, um, and what he's become is a really fun storyline. And it's uh, it makes it really easy to root for Mike. And I hope he gets the chance to stay here and continue to be a prominent presence uh, with what the Dolphins are doing. Because for too long, we've seen the Dolphins kind of develop guys into promising young players for them to leave elsewhere and go realize their success. I would hate to see that happen with Mike. And the last thing that I am thankful for is Matt Collins. Watching Mac Collins on a week-to-week basis. I know when, when the, the Dolphins captains came out and Tua wasn't on the list, a bunch of Dolphins fans were upset by that. It's like, what is this a joke? Mac Collins is a captain. Mac is one of the guys who's the heartbeat of this team. I don't think there's any question. He's a great personality. He plays his butt off. He's constantly motivated. This is a player I hope gets the kind of long-term deal to stay in Miami. And he's not a guy you would break the bank for, right? He's a special teams guy. He's a depth wide receiver. He comes in on some of your heavier packages and he blocks his ass off. Does all the dirty work, all the dirty work. And to see him get rewarded with a long touchdown pass last week was really cool. And I hope we continue to see him do a lot of dirty work and occasionally get rewarded with long touchdown receptions for a long time to come. I hope to see you guys tomorrow here on the show this is a little bit of a quick hitter we we blazed through it but you know what i wanted to make sure you guys if you wanted the opportunity to talk a little dolphins football you had the opportunity to hear a little dolphins talk so fins up keep it locked in right here on locked on dolphins i appreciate each and every one of you as well happy thanksgiving make it a great day and i'll talk to you again tomorrow